Gabriella Balcom won the right to have a novel published by Clarendon House Publishing when one of her stories was voted best in the anthology in which it appeared. Her book, On the Wings of Ideas, came out following this. What's your favorite genre? Fantasy? Horror? Sci-fi? Romance? Literary fiction? This multi-genre collection of short stories includes all of that and more and has something for everyone. Gabriella's stories will alternately move you and bring you to tears, captivate or horrify you, and have you on the edge of your seat. Don't miss out. Be sure to get a copy today. Submissions are now open until August 1st for the Sweetie Cat Press anthology, The Whole Wide World. The submissions should be episodes of no more than 3,000 words and as few as 50 words about the worldwide adventures of Detective Curly Knucklewad and his assistant, Miss Wanda Wowser, as they go on a manhunt for the unknown thief of the limp noodle sauce recipe stolen from the secret government food laboratory in San Francisco. Submission guidelines are in the blog section of the Sweetie Cat Press website at sweetiecatpress.com. That's sweetiecatpress.com. S-W-E-E-T-Y-C-A-T-P-R-E-S-S dot com. Gabriella Balcom's thrilling sci-fi novella, The Return. The world doesn't know about the compound hidden underground and the wealthy investors funding it want things to stay that way. Although it's the year 2027, most of the facility's research is illegal. If animal rights activists had an inkling of what went on, they'd clamor for justice. Human rights activists would scream from the rooftops. By the time 2030 arrives, researchers have worked for a while with feline service units and human replicas. HRs, who are virtual prisoners with no rights. More and more of them are dying and they long for freedom. Surprisingly, one of the top scientists isn't happy with the status quo either. Tensions are mounting and things are not as they appear. Summertime is here, and the best way to beat the heat is with these great deals at MythMart.com. Join the adventure with sisters Emma and Olivia as they journey through the land of imagination in search of Yoon, the magical unicorn, in David K. Montoya's The Missing Unicorn and the Land of the Zombie Fairies. Or travel with poet Christopher Bice as he shares his thoughts on love, death, inspiration, and madness in Escaping the Darkness, Running from My Dreams. If fantasy romance is more your speed, join Celeste and Merrick as they figure out how to defeat the evil Ren doll while they figure out the plans of the elders in Stephanie J. Vardy's The Chosen. Like comic books? We got them too! Hot Off the Press is American Smash by Alan Russo and David K. Montoya for $4.99. Or enjoy our older releases like The Hunter's Exodus for only $2.99. Also just in time for the summer are these other hot deals like Zoe M. Montoya's Uni Whale t-shirt, blue for boys and pink for girls, only $33.99. Or Lupus Bits the Podcast shirt for $27.99. For all our art lovers, we have something for you too with our prints and lithographs. Check out the Ed Bickford collection for $15 each or enjoy the art of Vincent May for $15. We have everything you'll need to stay inside and beat the summertime heat at MythMart.com. For more information, go to www.MythMart.com. Call us at 870-557-2612 or email sales at MythMart.com. And now, enjoy this free JZO Modcast show. Carry on my way, son. There'll be peace when you are done. Lay your weary head to rest. Don't you cry. Hey everybody and welcome to episode 53 of Lupa's Bits. I am your host Lupa Barty 
And what do you guys think of episode 52? That was kind of fun, wasn't it? The one person that would have had messages of embarrassment um, was actually having a family drama during the entire week leading up to the episode. So I actually let her off the hook, which she seems to think was out of the kindness of my heart. But no, it was more out of self-preservation because she knows way too much about me and has way too many embarrassing stories. I do believe, though, that the Whiskey Sisters may actually get a hold of her at some point in time and make her (laughs) squeal like a pig because she's got a pretty mouth. That's kind of an inside joke, and she'll get it, and pretty pretty sure she'll snort whatever it is she's drinking right out her nose after she hears that. Anyway, so yeah, it was kind of fun doing that episode and um, hearing all the wonderful messages from everybody. So here we are, 53, first day of the next 52 episodes. And I have a few things that I want to talk about, still at my sister's. So I was actually contemplating doing a a poolside podcast because you guys got a lot of poolside podcasts last summer. And there are two reasons why I did not or have not. I may do one yet. There may be a poolside podcast before I go home because the pool's up and running and I have been in it. It's lovely. But there's two reasons why I didn't do a poolside podcast for this episode. One is my iPhone updated and I rearranged all my apps in order of, you know, productivity and photography and games and I can't find my recorder now. I don't know where I put it. (laughs) And two... Joe had enough nightmares last episode trying to edit um, what I created, and I figured if I threw a poolside podcast at him, if y'all remember, it's an indoor pool, so there's a big echo, and I know that it gave Dave palpitations when he had to edit it, so (laughs) I thought, you know, I like Joe. Um, I won't do that to him just yet. I'll give him some warning, Um, and I can't drag out my professional podcast equipment out to the pool that just no (laughs) no no so yeah you might you will get a a, I think it's going to be like a traditional thing now you will get a poolside podcast I will probably have some sort of bubbled alcohol drink because that's kind of tradition too I'm not sure though because I start fasting at eight o'clock every night which means nothing but water until whenever the next morning And I usually podcast at night, so, you know, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Anyway, so, welcome to episode 53. Here we go again. (laughs) It's been been an interesting week. I've gotten some physical labor in today. I'm feeling it. I just realized as I shifted and put pressure on the muscles in my upper arms, they kind of went, oh, no, 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 you're not going to be allowed to do that anymore tonight. They built a a sandbox for my nephew. It was kind of, wasn't finished because, you know, life happens. So I finished it off for him, leveled it out today, leveled the ground, got it all set, put the ground cover down, and then went and got sand for said sandbox. Now, you heard me talk last summer about Mimi the trailer. I tell you, Mimi's a trooper, man. (laughs) She's an awesome little trailer. I got a half yard of sandbox sand, like, you know, that good sand into the back of Mimi and I mean she did when he because he used a front end loader to scoop up the half yard and dump it into poor Mimi and when this big huge chunk because you have to understand it's and and not everybody that uh, I spoke to today realized that the sand was just in this great big huge pile outside he thought maybe it came in bags and we just opened the bags and dumped them into the trailer but anyway i digress and and again those in the know know who i speak of (laughs) so yeah uh they they dumped this whole when when the load came down into mimi she did kind of sink a little bit but she she regained her composure and came back up i have yet to be able to put enough weight into mimi and believe me last summer and this summer it's it's you know it's been a task let's see if we can get Mimi to touch her tires and she has got like these industrial strength struts underneath her um when I was at the Rona which is a Canadian hardware store like Home Depot when I was at the Rona last summer we had loaded in like 10 bags of um quickcrete concrete and they're 
60 pounds, 66 pounds bag. And so there's like 660 pounds of powdered concrete in the back of her. And then we loaded a whole bunch of plywood on top. And the dude's looking at me like, how much weight can she take? I'm like, I don't know. Let's just keep going until it looks like the wheels are going to rub. So we did. And she didn't move. She didn't budge. I mean, she had to have at least a thousand pounds on her. She didn't budge. Well, when they dropped the sand in, I think a half yard is probably about six to eight hundred pounds or more of wet sand. Wet sand. And I'm emphasizing that. You'll understand why in a moment. Dump it in the trailer. She kind of staggers a little bit and regains her composure. And off we go. Mimi's a trooper. And back to the house. Well, you can't drive Mimi down into the backyard which would have been very convenient to just shovel it from the back of Mimi into said sandbox. And you can't pick up said sandbox and bring it up here and fill it with sand and take it back. So you fill up a wheelbarrow. My nephews decided to rename the wheelbarrow the Mimi Barrow because it always seems like we're taking stuff out of Mimi and putting it in the barrow, so it's now Mimi Barrow. Anyway, he wanted to help, so he has his little garden shovel. (laughs) And I have my much bigger garden shovel. (laughs) And we're shoveling the sand into the wheelbarrow the two of us and then i pick up the first load and went oh um okay so we're not going to make the loads that big because you think it's sand it's just sand you know sand yeah well wet sand is kind of heavy so i get the wheelbarrow and my arms are you know being pulled out of their sockets away we go now i'm the perfect height for this wheelbarrow it's kind of it's kind of bizarre because i don't have to bend my arms when i pick it up i just bend my knees grab the handles and stand up and up it comes and it's not like an overly high height it's obviously not i'm only five foot three it's not low where the the legs catch or drag or anything it's perfect so i stretch out my arms when i'm doing that and like if there's a good weight in there it's a good arm workout because again you're balanced on a tire so if you don't have the load in the wheelbarrow balanced correctly you're using your arm muscles to kind of hold it and wobble it and weave it so i get a good stretch across my upper shoulders and my upper arms carrying a heavy wheelbarrow so down we go and i got the shovel whenever it's got his little nephew's got his little shovel and we're shoveling and shoveling and shoveling and shoveling and then i get down to maybe the last two shovelfuls and i went hey i could probably dump it now so i dump it and The one part where we've got the wheelbarrow sitting, the one part of the sandbox is the perfect height that it just, the lip just fits right over top of it. And that metal piece that comes around the tire that's supposed to protect the tire, I don't know, just hits down the ground and it doesn't hit the wood at all. It's perfect. So I got two loads like that and realized I can't dump anymore because now the sand's in the way. So that it rake out the sand and spread it around. So we got most of, I'd say... 95% of the half yard of sand into the sandbox. Okay, let me rephrase that. I got most of the half yard of sand into the sand box. My nephew was was a help, and he had his little garden shovel, and he was helping me unload. So, funny story. (laughs) We had to stop for dinner. And we come up and we have dinner and I thought, okay, you know, I want to get a couple of more loads in because tomorrow now I have to go for rocks. So yes, we're going to test Mimi's strut strength again. I have to get potato rocks and I have to get crushed stone. It'll be a few trips. My nephew will be coming with me because I promised I'd take him to get the sand today so he could see the front end loader because he loves the big trucks. His car seat wasn't in the car, so I didn't, and I don't know how to hook it up because there are these newfangled car seats with like a level and stuff. You know, just throw a seatbelt around it and hope for the best. So my brother-in-law hooked it up tonight so that he can come with me and get rocks tomorrow. I went out after dinner and I was loading up the wheelbarrow and I figured, you know, my nephew was going to be running around inside and doing whatever, playing, getting ready, you know, having a bath or whatever. And I hear this screech from the front door. Aunt Tuffy! Aunt Tuffy! He's losing his mind because there I was out there working without him so he put his little crocs on and got his shovel and out he came (laughs) we did three more loads four more loads of sand before he got called in for a swim in the pool and I was quite ready for a swim in the pool by that point in time and uh his shower and bed so I told him I wouldn't do any more until tomorrow when he could be with me so tomorrow we're going to empty out Mimi of the sand 
Yeah, he's quite... I, I introduced him to... Because when the last time he was on a beach would have been um, March of 2020. And that's when we were in Florida. So I don't think he was quite old enough to remember. And it wasn't cold, wet sand. I mean, it was hot sand and then water. So once we got all the sand all in there, usually you get in and you kind of look like Lucille Ball in the episode where she's crushing grapes. You're going around in a circle and you're kind of stamping your feet, filling in all the little air pockets and all the little holes, making it all even. So get in there. And I said, take off your shoes. He's like, why? Trust me, take off your shoes. I want to show you something. So I kick off my flip-flops and he kicks off his Crocs. And I said, okay, step in the sandbox. So he steps into the sandbox. He, he kind of spreads his toes out into the sand. And I step in there with him and I'm like, just kind of move your feet around and squish your feet around in the sand. He's like, oh, I'm like, right. He's like, and I said, now walk around a little bit. So he's walking around and I scrunch your toes up. Like you're trying to grip the sand with your toes. And he's like, oh, I'm like, right. Aunt Teffy knows. So there's the two of us going around in circles like we're crushing grapes and you know, like we're Lucille Ball in that I Love Lucy episode. And he's just giggling and loving it. He's like, this is really cool, Aunt Teffy. This feels really cool on my feet because it was cold, wet sand. So, yeah, that was a that was a fun Aunt Teffy moment. I got to share that with my nephew and introduce him to the pleasures of sinking your feet into cold, wet sand. Now, some people think that is the grossest thing ever and they can't stand the feel of sand on their bodies. Me, I love it. I love the feel of sand on my feet. I love to dig my feet into the sand, especially if you're at like a beach or something and the top layer is hot and you kind of dig your feet down until you find that nice, cool, wet layer underneath. I don't know. I'm weird. And I did share a hack with my sister, a life hack with my sister that I had recently seen covered in sand. Take out some baby powder, rub baby powder all over them. And it dries up the sand and the sand just falls off, just brushes right off. Because you know how sometimes when you're trying to brush sand off and it just feels like you're spreading it around and it's just kind of rolling around. You're not really getting rid of it. Baby powder. I'm telling you, baby powder works wonders. So... Yeah, I'm feeling a little uh, stiff, a little sore <laughs> right now, but I feel really good. Like, you know, like you've had a good workout good, you know, you kind of have that strut, that, that sachet where you, you feel good, you think you look great. And, you know, I put my shorts on and I put my t-shirt on and I went, oh, hey, I'm actually starting to notice the weight that I'm losing. And I was really like, I feel really good. Put my bathing suit on and went into the pool. And I'm like, oh, you know, I might be able to be close to ready to graduating to the actual top that belongs to the bathing suit and not a tank top. <laughs> so, yeah, I was feeling really good. And, and uh, I feel I still feel really good about myself. So it was good. I, I, I mean, you heard me say it like a zillion times last summer. I enjoy physical labor. I like to work hard. I like to work physically work hard and to sweat and just, you know, push myself to my limits. I feel good about it when I do that. Far better than I would if I'd gone to the gym and like did an hour workout or something with heavy weights and, you know, whatever. I enjoy doing the physical labor far better than that. That's my workout. You know, this weekend we're going to be building a retaining wall. We're going to be doing gardens. We're going to be putting rocks down, shoveling rocks, you know, moving... Remember last summer? Big rocks into little rocks. <laughs> well, now I'm going to be moving little rocks. So I'm kind of excited about it because I've been doing this whole fasting thing and I kind of took a week off, but I'm back into keto. Like this morning, I, I noticed that, you know, I'm back in the pink, <laughs> peed on my stick and it was, you know, there were traces. So I'm kind of happy about that. So I knew today when I was shoveling you know, shovel after shovel after shovel of wet sand into the wheelbarrow and then lugging that heavy wheelbarrow down and shoveling it into the sandbox and raking it around. I knew I was burning calories. I knew I was working every muscle that I had. And it felt good. And then, <laughs> you know, because you feel good and you're like, I can do anything. Get into the pool and I'm kind of doing laps back and forth. And um, Kyle, the guy who's renting here, their border he pipes up and he says did you know that 33 laps is a mile and i'm looking like 33 laps in this pool I'm like yeah 33 laps in the pool is a mile like, oh all right 
probably do that. So I swam from one side to the other and went, there was a, well, there's one. And Scott laughed at me and went, no, <laughs> it's there and back. That's a lap. Oh, okay. So I managed to get 17 laps in because I did a half mile would be 16 and a half. Well, 16 and a half put me at the deep end of the pool and I had to come back to the shallow end of the pool to get out. So it technically made it 17 laps. So tomorrow I'm going to try for 20. And I even had a witness so nobody could say, no, you didn't. Yep, I had a witness. Kyle was still in there. Scott had already taken the kids up, but Kyle was still in there. He was getting all toweled off. I did my 17. I'm like, yes. (laughs) So I'm either going to sleep like the dead or I'm going to roll and toss and turn because my body hurts. My body hurts. But I can feel the muscles in my back. I can feel the muscles like across my upper shoulders and my arms. I can feel the muscles in my legs. So I'm feeling good. I mean, tomorrow is going to be another physical day, so I'm going to keep at it. It's kind of cool. Kind of cool. I'm probably going to be going home within the next couple of weeks, at least. We put mom back into morning rotation this week. And she got off easy. She only had to get up one day. Because <laughs> Monday was her birthday. And I got up Monday? What day is it today? It's Wednesday. So Monday was her birthday. So I got up Monday. She got up. Wait a minute. I don't even know what day it is. Where are we? Okay, how did that happen? Yesterday was her birthday. So I got up Monday. She was supposed to get up Tuesday, but it was her birthday and that just wouldn't have been fair. So I got up Tuesday. She got up today. I'm going to get up tomorrow. My brother-in-law will be home Friday. (laughs) He doesn't work on Fridays. So she only actually had to do one day this week. But uh, they have to get into a routine um, where her and my sister are now getting up. I mean, the baby's doing remarkable So they're going to get into a routine where they're kind of swapping off mornings and then I can go home. Um, But my sister did say to me tonight that she has absolutely no idea what they're going to do when I go home. So I promised her I would go home for short stays and then come back and visit and stay for, you know, three or four days and then go back home and then come back and give everybody a break and stay for three or four days and then go home. (laughs) But I need to go home. I haven't seen my apartment in two months. I'm paying for it, but I haven't seen it. kind of miss it. Apparently there are plant casualties. It's all the ones that, it was just my herbs and stuff. It's not the big ones that I was concerned about. So the lady that lived down the hall was uh, asking my best friend, well, am I ever coming back? And she's convinced that I'm never coming back. She's never going to see me again. Yeah, I will be uh, going home. Then, you know, God's willing, I will be back on the road in October for a bit, going to Scarefair. And then I will be home until January. And then I will be going to Florida for three months. So I'm kind of paying $800 a month for storage at this point. But I'm okay with that. Honestly, I'm okay with that. It's comfortable storage. It's storage with a really good bed and a really cool shower and TV. I'm good with that. And it's mine. I had a toothache a couple of weeks ago. I don't know if I mentioned it on the podcast or not. And I ended up going to the hospital and there was an abscess and it was kind of a scary thing because, you know, with my heart problems and everything. I went to the dentist today and I was terrified. I will admit I was absolutely terrified that I was going to lose my two front teeth and, you know, be singing that thong all I want for Christmas is my two front teeth. That's not the case. My teeth are actually in far better shape than I had anticipated. I have done the best that I can. Extenuating circumstances, medications, lack of dental care for a very long time. Long story. I'm not going to share that one with you. Anyway, yeah, so it was good news. Still covered under my ex's benefits, which is even greater news. <laughs> because he has far better benefits than disability does. So that was good news. I have, I think, one more appointment or two more appointments. I have the stuff they're going to do, the stuff they did today and the stuff that they're going to do on the next visit. And cleaning and my teeth will be good to go. I just have to maintain them and regular dental visits. And yeah, so all these nightmares about having fears about my teeth and everything, and it's not as bad as I thought it was going to be. So I'm I'm kind of happy about that. Now, before I get into the seriousness of some of the things that I want to talk about today, uh, we're going to do Fun Fact Friday because it's Friday. Well, it will be for you. I started this whole Fun Fact Friday. So we're going to do Fun Fact Friday. Here's a Fun Fact Friday for you. I have to actually Google Fun Fact Fridays because I used to be a wealth of useless information. Not so much anymore. I can't I can't just call it up at will. The Rolodex has way too many cards in it now. So I have to Google fun facts. So now if you live in Ontario, you live anywhere, you know what a cicada is. You hear them in the summer. 
they make that high-pitched sound and for me that's always been the sound of summer now if you live in ontario right now you'll notice the sound of the cicadas is really loud because all of the ground cicadas there are two types of cicadas in case you didn't know there are two types there are the annual cicadas which you hear every year you see them every year and then there's the periodical cicadas now the periodical cicadas stay underground for 17 years then they come out they mate they die what a life and this happens to be the 17th year of a large group of cicadas so they've all emerged and last night my mom and i were sitting outside she was vaping and i was keeping her company and we could hear one cicada over by the barn and he was making this really weird sound and it dawned on us about a minute later when we heard a reply (laughs) from the tree beside us that that was the mating call i've never heard the mating call so the cicada was doing this mating call and then the one beside us replied and then he got three more replies so we were kind of stuck in the middle of cicada tinder i don't know if he was swiping left or right but (laughs) they were he was getting replies he was a popular little cicada So there are more than 3,000 species of cicada, which roughly fall into two categories. Like I said, the annual cicadas, which are spotted every year, and the periodical cicadas, which spend most of their lives underground and only emerge once every decade or two. Now, cicadas are famous for their penchant for disappearing entirely for many years, only to reappear in force at a regular interval. Despite their name, annual cicadas generally live for two to five years, though some species may live longer and their broad and their broad life cycles overlap, meaning that every summer some cicadas emerge. Even periodical cicadas occur most years in different geographical regions as they are split among 15 broad cycles, each lasting 13 to 17 years. So that's kind of why you hear them every summer. But I, I wanted to talk about the cicada because it's a very loud, prominent sound in Ontario right now. <laughs> if you haven't heard the cicadas, then you are obviously not listening. Now, this is where I could be, I could stand corrected. We're going to talk about the life cycle of a cicada. The life cycle of a cicada has three stages, eggs, nymphs, and adults. Female cicadas can lay up to 400 eggs. Holy moly. Divided among dozens of sites. So, oh, so she spreads the love around. Generally in twigs and branches. After six to eight weeks, young cicada nymphs hatch from their eggs and dig themselves into the ground and suck the liquids of plant roots. So you really don't want them in your gardens. And I remember one year back at the house in Midland, we couldn't figure out why all of our plants were withering and dying. And then in the fall, when we would dig up the garden, we found all of these cicadas had infested the dirt in the garden. So I sat there for like hours pulling these cicadas out firing them off. It was rather annoying. They spend their entire developmental period in these underground burrows before molting their shells and surfacing as adults to mate and lay eggs. So technically, you live as a hermit for your whole childhood and you come out as an adult with no social skills and yet they can mate. They find a mate. How is that even possible? I know humans that can't do that and they're human. They, They have a job, have a car, have a house, have money. And they can't do that. <laughs> and yet the cicada spends its entire developmental years in a burrow underground. Comes out, mates, and lays eggs. There you go. Okay, so cicadas are also known for their buzzing and clicking noises, which can be amplified by multitudes of insects into an overpowering hum. Males produce this species-specific noise with vibrating membranes on their abdomens. The sounds vary widely, and some species are more musical than others. Though cicada noises may sound alike to humans, the insects use different calls to express alarm or attract mates. Like I said, we were hearing the mating ritual of the cicada last night. Cicada tinder. So that's kind of just an interesting scientific fun fact for Friday. Uh, They are herbivores, so don't worry. They're not going to eat you. They're not going to bite you. It says the average lifespan in the wild, up to 17 years. That's because when they emerge, they die. (laughs) Now, interesting story. Not so funny. Well, I find it funny. I found it absolutely hilarious because my mother and my sister were horribly mortified. They were sitting in the backyard last summer and they could hear the cicada. All of a sudden, they heard what they thought was a twig snapping. And the cicada's hum got a little higher pitched. 
and then it proceeded to get a little more higher pitched. And there was another snap, which they now realized was a crunch. And the cicada got a little higher pitched until it was kind of screaming. <laughs> and they said, my mom said they sat there and they listened to this poor cicada get eaten alive <laughs> until it just was this final little squeak. And then it stopped. And my mom said her and my sister were sitting there and they were absolutely mortified at the fact that they had just witnessed this poor little cicada's death by a bird. I think that's when my sister decided to stop putting out bird seed. Yeah. So I, I, I hear the cicadas all the time and I'm always telling my mom and my sister, oh, wait, should we listen for the crunch? And just, that, that's not funny. Yes, it is. <laughs> It's downright hilarious. Thank you very much. I'm not going to let that one go for a long time. Spiders and sharks, me and my sister, we don't mess around. Mm -mm. Nope. I Sharks will paralyze me. Spiders will paralyze her. And we just leave those well enough alone. Okay, so now for some interesting and, and maybe, I don't know, funny. I don't know. We'll see. A bunch of questions and some really interesting answers. Now I'm going to ask the questions and I'm going to kind of pause and see if you can't come up with the answer yourself. I'm going to be watching my live studio audience to see if uh, they know the answers to some of these. Okay, so, okay, we'll start off with an easy one. What causes a rainbow to appear? Are you listening to the Jeopardy music right now? And that's as far as I'm going for copyright issues. <laughs> but I guarantee you all the rest of you, because I'm watching my live studio audience and they're singing the rest of the song. Okay, so the answer to that, if you wrote your answer down, is a rainbow is an optical and meteor meteor oh wow meteorological phenomenon that is caused by both reflection and refraction of light in water droplets resulting in a spectrum of light appearing in the sky it takes the form of a multicolored arc rainbows caused by sunlight always appear in the section of sky directly opposite the sun so if it's raining and the sun's out look in the opposite direction of the sun and you are guaranteed you will find your rainbow who created Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer? And why? <laughs> trick question. Well, not trick question, but, you know, double question. Get your pens out. Get your answers down. All right, class, pens down. Rudolph was actually conceived by a department store, Montgomery Ward, as a marketing gimmick to get kids to buy holiday coloring books. My live studio audience is nodding like he knew that. Ooh, what was the first item bought by scanning its UPC code? So what is the first thing that was purchased that went across that little laser and went beep, beep? What was it? Any guesses? I'm thinking my live studio audience is saying peas. Are you saying peas? No, he's not saying peas. Cheese? It's hard to read his lips because, you know, he's quiet. If he would just like hit the thing he's in my ear nobody's going to hear him he's going it, to it's going to be kind of funny because he's wrong <laughs> it's not an ease of any kind <laughs> it was actually a 10 pack of wrigley's juicy fruit gum purchased at an ohio supermarket and is now on display in the in the smithsonian oh i knew this one i knew this one <laughs> what food does not spoil i don't know if he's thinking or he doesn't he doesn't have any idea okay so I know this because of the people that I hang out with. Some of them are beekeepers. Some of them are mead makers. Honey. Honey is the one food that does not spoil. You could technically eat honey that was over a thousand years old. It does not go bad. <laughs> okay, here's one. Here's a funny one. Okay, so dueling. You know, dueling with guns or with swords. You know, I challenge you to a duel at dawn. Um, dueling is legal in what country and on what condition? Mm, Y'all are thinking I can smell it from here. So the answer to that is Paraguay. And the condition is as long as both parties are registered blood donors. So you can go to Paraguay and have a duel as long as you are a registered blood donor. Oh, neat. What is the longest? Now, this is for all the writers out there and the English buffs. What? is the longest word in the English language with all letters in alphabetical order. May you thinkin'? Are you thinking? Do you know? It is almost. It's the longest word in the English language with all the letters in alphabetical order. Let's see. Oh, here's another one for my author friends. Which book holds the record 
for being the most stolen from public libraries. No, it's not The Joy of Sex. And it's not Julia Child's cooking book. Any guesses? Any guesses? Which book holds the record? So it, it would be in the Guinness Book of World Records for being the most stolen from public libraries. And I kind of gave you a clue. Yes, it is the Guinness Book of World Records. <laughs> holds the record for being the book stolen the most from public libraries. Wow. Okay, first of all, American Airlines are cheap. Just saying. But that was back in 1987. So by eliminating one olive, one olive from each salad served in first class, how much did American Airlines save in 1987? One olive, 40,000 US dollars, right? <laughs> by eliminating one olive from each salad, they saved $40,000. <laughs> Here's one for all you Apple fans. What is the time displayed on all Apple devices in promotional material and why? So when you buy like an Apple Watch and they've got that little sticker on the box and it's got a time on it, or you buy a phone and it's got that pretend screen on it, what's the time? 9.41. Now, kind of a long answer, so strap in. And as soon as I said it, every one of you just went, oh yeah, you remember seeing it. Now, the time used to be 9.42. You could see it across various commercials, print ads, and even on Apple's site itself. The explanation was simple. That's the time in the morning that Steve Jobs announced the very first iPhone in 2007. Around 42 minutes into his keynote address, he said, today, Apple is going to reinvent the phone. And a picture of the iPhone displaying the time 942 popped up on the screen behind him. But all that changed in 2010 when the very first iPad was released. When that was revealed, it displayed a different time, 941. If you check Apple's site right now, the time set on the devices is always 941. Not just on iPhones, Macs too. Even the iPad and the iPad Air 2 ad that ran during the keynote last month displays 941 as the time. But why did the time change? It's all very simple. According to former iOS chief Scott Forstall, who happened to divulge the secret to Australian-based app developer John Manning of Secret Lab. We designed the keynotes so that the big reveal of the product happens around 40 minutes into the presentation, Forrestal said. When the big image of the product appears on the screen, we want the time shown to be close to the actual time on the audience's watches. But we know we won't hit 40 minutes exactly. That's why. <laughs> All right. So, you know, you all know I went to California in February 2020, and I did mention that I gambled while I was in Vegas. Now, apparently, that's not considering ga it's considered gambling, but I did put a $1 bill into a slot machine, pulled the handle, and lost. That's gambling for me. So here's one for you. Which founder of a struggling company spent its last $5,000 gambling in Vegas only to win $32,000? Any guesses? FedEx. FedEx. After raising nearly $90 million and contributing his own fortune of $4 million to the cause, Fred Smith successfully founded the company in 1971. However, three years later, thanks to rising fuel costs, the company was on the verge of bankruptcy, with no one willing to give them any more loans or investors interested in contributing capital. At one point, all the company had was $5,000 to its name, which wasn't enough to continue operating as their planes needed fuel and that wouldn't cover it. Smith took the last 5000 and flew to Vegas and played blackjack. By Monday, the company had 32000 in its bank account, which was enough to cover the fuel for their planes and continue operating a little while longer. Shortly thereafter, Smith managed to raise $11 million to keep the company afloat, and by 1976, FedEx made its first profit of $3.6 million. Today, it's estimated to be more than in the vicinity of 25 to $35 billion, with Smith himself currently worth around $2 billion. So who says it doesn't pay to gamble in Vegas? I wouldn't take the last $5,000 of the company's money into it, but, you know, not my company, not my money. So, hey, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. <laughs> they actually have that sign at the airport. I kid you not. I'm standing there. I'm waiting for Dave because 
he had to go and do something. So I'm standing there with my luggage and I'm looking around and I'm taking pictures. And I realized there's like this big welcome to Vegas sign. And it says what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. It's like actually on the welcome sign to Vegas. <laughs> like, interesting. I was only in Vegas for maybe 45 minutes. Not much happened. <laughs> oh, that explains that. So why are Facebook's colors primarily blue? Because co-founder Mark Zuckerberg suffers from red-green color blindness. And if you've ever seen that movie, oh, what is the name of that movie? Social Network, it's called. But anyway, yeah, about him and how Facebook was created. You can understand why he's decided that his app has to be colors that he can see. Uh, oh, God. Here's an Ikea one. I don't know if I want to read this one because I highly doubt I'm going to be able to pronounce any of the words. Nobody can pronounce the word, the names of the furniture. So I don't think I'll be able to pronounce the words in this one, but I'm going to give it a try. We're going to have a good laugh. Okay. So the Swedish company Ikea is the largest furniture retailer in the world. Ikea is the acronym of four words that mean what? (laughs) Okay, so Ikea was named for founder Ingvar Kamprad, born 1926. The farm where he grew up, Elmtarid, and his home parish of Agunyard, Agunyard. Okay. Camprad founded the company in 1943 when he was only 17 years old. Holy. Well done, Ingvar. You could have at least named your furniture, you know, stuff that people could pronounce. There's a, a shelving unit here called Aplero. Aplero. At least we think that's how it's pronounced. There's an extra P and an O in there somewhere. A Papaplero. I'm not sure. Maybe they stuttered. Okay. Oh, here's an interesting one. Do right-handed people live longer? Right-handed people live, on average, nine years longer than left-handed people do. This is largely due to the fact that a majority of the machines and tools we use on a daily basis are designed for those who are right-handed, making them somewhat dangerous for lefties to use and resulting in thousands of accidents and deaths each year. So us right-handers have silently and covertly staged a mass genocide of the left-handed people. (laughs) And you have to understand, I'm not saying this as, you know, being racist against left-handed people. My ex was left-handed. My daughter is left-handed. My grandmother was left-handed. I am completely surrounded by left-handed people. Hey, did you know we used to have a 27th letter in the alphabet? Did you know that? There was 27 letters in the alphabet. Yes. And that alphabet or word is ampherzam. That was actually in the alphabet. The letter is a conflation of the phrase and per se and. And because of its usage would be used at the end of the alphabetical Recitation. (laughs) X, Y, Z, and per se, and. The last phrase was routinely slurred, forming the word ampersand. It's that, yeah, kind of looks like a funky, yeah, sorry, my my live studio audience is flapping around like a bird with a broken wing. (laughs) I was trying to figure out what his sign language was, and it wasn't working. He finally slowed down and stopped being this blur, and I could figure out he was actually trying to write the ampersand, which looks like a really funky S or a, yeah. Anyway, you know what it looks like. And the term became a common English usage by around 1837. Oh, wow. That I didn't know. Okay. Are we taller in the morning than we are at night? My live studio audience says yes. And he would be correct. We are about one centimeter taller in the morning than in the evening. This is because during normal activities of the day, the cartilage in our knees and other areas slowly compress, which is why your legs hurt by the end of the day. All right, let's do a couple more. This is going, and, and I mean, if you don't know this, we can't be friends, really. I'm, 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 we can't. We just, we can't. What is the name of Darth Vader? My live studio audience is, is, is treading very, very, very close to being unfriended. Dark web. <laughs> what is the name of Darth Vader? And I know he knows it because I know he's watched all of the Star Wars. And he's going to kick himself. Say it again. <laughs> if you're wondering what the silence is, we're staring at each other. He needs to say it again. The answer, and like I said, if you don't know this, we can't be friends. The answer is Darth Vader is Anakin Skywalker and was once a Jedi Knight before rebelling to the dark side. <laughs> oh, I wish you guys could see how hilarious he looks. 
because he's on mute, so I can't hear what he's saying. All I can see is like his little red head and his arms waving at me. I'm pretty sure he mouthed, that's what I said. I could be wrong. Oh, he's nodding. Yes, that is what he said. So, okay, our friendship remains. Oh, okay. This one, if he doesn't get this one, I might have to have him... Because he's a big comic book nerd. But I'm not exactly sure if he was this kind of comic book nerd. So, what is the age? What age is Superman, the Superman, in the Superman comic books? Eh, so close. He said 33, and he is so close. Initially, Superman didn't have an age. However, in the 1970s, Superman was 29. 29 years old. Close. Oh, I, I'm being told to research it. Because <laughs> he is adamant. Okay. All right. We're going to go over to the Google machine. Yes, I stole that from the three nose. I can do that. They don't have it copyrighted. And we are going to research how old is Superman. Oh, well, apparently he's 79 now. <laughs> he was created in 1938, so that makes him 79. How old is Superman supposed to be in DC's universe? Is that where I'm supposed to go? He says, hmm, okay. Superman's Kryptonian genes keep him young, but also makes his age pretty hard to determine. Fortunately, clues from the comics can help us figure it out. Superman is widely regarded as one of the first comic book superheroes. Why do I suddenly feel like I'm doing an episode of my public life as an American nerd? <laughs> Helping to popularize the genre as a whole. But one mystery that readers have never quite been able to solve is his age. While Superman comics have been around for over 80 years, just how old is the Man of Steel himself within the DC Universe? Now, that's the DC Universe. That's not actually talking about the man who created Superman. Now, if you remember in Canada, because he was Canadian, there was this, the original Superman, the original. He's on the train. There was this commercial in one of those heritage moments. He's on the train and he's yelling out the window to his friend Lois about this superhero that he wants to create. And he says, you know, what if he can fly? What if he can leap tall buildings? It's kind of where that came from. Let's see. He says 33. I'm not seeing a 33 crop up here anywhere. But this is the DC universe. So the answer is, it depends. Determining the age of Superman is especially challenging given how many different versions of the character have existed over the years. Depending on the storyline, Superman may be just starting his career as a hero. Superman for all seasons. Oh dear, here we go. <laughs> He's got that look on his face. Uh-huh. Okay. I like it says 33 years old, but I need to see the words before it. Superman is described as being 33 years old. That's Google it cuz we're going to have to find that article now because he's not going to let me see it. Is Superman? Oh, he's taking a bow. 33 years old. Okay. So, this is just a little blurb, but it's taken from something else. Now, it does say Superman is described as being 33 years old, the age of Jesus when he was crucified. Superman is put in handcuffs and he allows himself to be taken, even though he could easily break the shackles. The Man of Steel director, Zack Schneider. So this is Zack Schneider's age of Superman. Openly admitted that the reference references were no accident. I need to find the entire article because now it's a thing. <laughs> he is adamant that he is 33. I kind of like where it says it depends. But this is Zack Snyder's vision of Superman. This is not the original Superman. He's a fictional character and a superhero who first appeared in American comic books published by DC Comics. The character was created by writer Jerry Siegel and artist Joe Schuster and first appeared in the comic book Action Comics, blah, 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 yada, 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 1938. Okay, so... Now, you see, this is where the age kind of is a weird thing, because he was born on Krypton, and then he comes down here, and, you know, he's adopted farmer parents, the Kents, and they name him Clark. Poor child. And he grows up. I mean, if you watch Smallville, you know all this. I didn't. <laughs> blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. I'm reading through Wikipedia, and I know Mike just shuddered. It's not going to tell me his age. Creation and conception. Okay, this is saying it was created by two guys at a Glenville High School in Cleveland. Hmm. See, now you got me... See, now this is turning into a whole Superman thing. Stupid fun fact Friday. Yes, my live studio audience is getting a few good laughs. Okay, so here is the historical minutes commercial that ran here in Canada that we all watched. You can't hear it. 
Let me take the headphones out. Oh, it does. Okay, my bad. It does say Cleveland, Ohio. My bad. Oh, no, but he is Canadian. Okay. Whew. All right. I feel much better now. He was Canadian, but he went to school in Cleveland. Faster than it. Yep, faster. Toronto cartoon. Joe Schuster was Tor from Toronto. All right. I will not stand corrected. <laughs> I'll admit when I'm wrong. Winnie the Pooh is Canadian too, just so you know. There's another heritage moment. Yep, part of our heritage. We own Superman. Uh, he's ours. We'll take him. Anyway, the age is kind of, I'm thinking, up for debate. If you want to go by Zack Snyder, he's 33. If you want to go by DC, he's 29. Technically, he's 79. If you want to go by Dave, he's 33. <laughs> that turned into a thing. Another Canadian. Here's another little Canadian tidbit for you that I absolutely love. And I wanted to be her when I was a little kid. I wanted to be her and I wanted to be Laura Ingalls Wilder at the same time. It's kind of hard. They both had braids. So how many copies of Anne of Green Gables novel has been sold? Now, if you don't know who Anne of Green Gables is, I suggest you Google it. It's a wonderful story, wonderful series of books. Um, there's the TV series. There's a movie. It was really, really good. Anyway, more than 50 million copies of Anne of Green Gables were sold since 1908 and have been translated into 20 languages. Let's see what else can we find. So I'm going to stop with the Fun Fact Friday, and I have a little venting I want to do. And poor Joe. I always do this to him, and then I send it to him, like, day before it has to launch. Okay, so there was a comment made in my local group for the town that I live in. This heartless, gutless, dickless wonder wanted to know when our country was going to raise our flags back to full mast, because it had been long enough for them to be at half-mast. Our country has our flags at half-mast out of respect for our indigenous people, our native people, and out of all of the unmarked graves that are being found daily and the children that they have already... Now, he went on to say that they're just unmarked graves. No bodies have actually been found. And I immediately jumped onto there and I found the article about the 215 bodies, children's bodies that had been found as young as three years old. And I made sure I slapped that on every comment that he made. I think it's there about 15 times, just saying. I was a little outraged. And there will be a three minute TikTok rant about it and I will be wearing my orange shirt and standing beside my little orange feet on my car. But that's another story. Anyway, I was very, 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 very angry about his statement. Like how could somebody be so callous? And then it dawned on me how somebody could be so callous. He's uneducated. I, too, was one of the uneducated, and I didn't take the time to educate myself on our indigenous people here in Canada. I just took for granted they're there. You know, I didn't know. What does it have to do with me? But now that I know, and there's no way that he can't know, because it's everywhere in the news, our country should have had that flag at half-mast the minute the government decided to build those schools. They should have hung their heads in shame and put those flags at half-mast and left them there. Our flag should never ever be raised to the top of the flagpole. That is a shame we are going to carry. How could we do that to other human beings and then be so callous as to say, oh, well, the, the flags have been down long enough. Why don't we just raise them up now? It's over. No, it's not. It never will be. There are people still out there that don't have closure, that don't know what happened to their family members, to their loved ones. And if you think for one minute that, that any of that happened so long ago that you couldn't possibly know somebody who could have maybe have been involved and might have gone to one of those schools, I suggest you look again if you are anywhere between the ages of 40 and 65. Because I can guarantee you that you know somebody whose mother or whose father or whose uncle was in residential school. I can guarantee you, if you know people over the age of 60, that they could have been swept up and scooped up and sent to residential school. So don't sit there and tell me that it doesn't affect you, that it doesn't, it happened so long ago, we should just forget it and move on. No. Yes, it happened a long time ago for many, many, many years and stopped happening in 1996. That's not that long ago. In the grand scheme of things, that's not that long ago. And I would hope that as a country that prides itself on being kind and being courteous and being respectful and being empathetic to those who have suffered, that we would 
allow our indigenous people to mourn and to grieve and that we would hang our heads and mourn and grieve with them and not want to get back to normal and raise our flags because it's been down long enough. I'm sorry, you've been an idiot long enough. Maybe we should put you out of your misery, or at least ours. Duct tape works. I know, I can find a tree. And if you don't believe me, I can give you a couple of names. You can duct tape a person to a tree and they will not be able to get off. I've done it, been there. But if you ever, ever are near me and look at the flags at half mast and say, oh, wonder when they're going to put them back up. I think maybe we should stop being friends because I think those flags should stay down for as long as those schools were open. For every year those schools ran, for every year those people tortured and abused and mistreated those children, those flags should stay down. I am proud Canadian. I am proud to be Canadian. I am proud of the country I live in. I am not proud of the things in the history of my country. But I am not too proud to say I'm sorry and that I'm ashamed for what we have done and that I acknowledge what we have done. And I will stand up for our Indigenous people and I will speak up for them every single chance I get. Because regardless of what the song says, this land is not our land. This land is their land. And on that note, I am going to end my podcast because I think I've said all that I need to say on that. And I hope you all have a stellar week. The weather is supposed to be absolutely fantastic. I think we finally cut a bit of the humidity with the storms that rolled through. Yay. My hair's not going to look like I just stuck my finger in a light socket for a few days. I decided that I wasn't going to use. I have this because I have really curly hair. So I have this Paul Mitchell stuff that I use that it, it enhances your curls. It makes them nice and soft and detangles and defrizzes and all of that. So I thought, oh, well, you know, it's humid. My hair's a little curly enough. I'm not going to use it. I'll just use the oil on my ends. And I woke up the next morning and I don't know what happened. I don't know whose hair I ended up with, but it wasn't mine. It looked like somebody had come in in the middle of the night and put those really tiny little perm rods in. So they were really tight, tight curls. And I tried to twisted up into my clip that I usually wear and it was just this poof at the top. I looked like a rooster. I, I swear, I kid you not, I looked like a rooster. And I think if you ask my live studio audience, he probably has a couple of pictures of me looking like a rooster. And I even said to him, it's a little humid today. <laughs> my hair was really, really, really tight. I did not make that mistake today. Anyway, yeah, enjoy your week. And if you have anything you want to say, just shoot me an email. You know where to find me. Most of you know where to find me. And if you don't, well, I'm, I probably don't want to talk to you. <laughs> you can check out all of the Facebook pages that I have. I am usually lurking on one of them somewhere. And okay, here we go. You can find me. Yep, got to get warmed up for this because there's a few. You can find me at Lupa's Bits, the podcast. You can find me at Luhu Baskets. You can find me at The World of Myth Magazine. You can find me at Dark Myth Publications. You can find me at Zombie Works Publications. That's just on. Oh, wait. And you can find me at Stephanie J. Barty and Lupa Barty. That's just Facebook. That's six, seven, six. Okay, then we go over to Twitter, and you can find me at The World of Myth Magazine. You can find me at Lupa's Bits, the podcast. You can find me at Lupa B, which is just me, my author page. And you can find me. I usually manage The World of Myth Bits Twitter page, but I think I'm going to hand that over soon to the people that actually do The World of Myth Bits. <laughs> Maybe they should run their own Twitter page and their own Facebook page. We'll see. I'm a little bit of a control freak. And then if you go over to Instagram, you can find me on Luhu Baskets, Lupa Bits, the Lupa's Bits, the podcast, Stephanie Barty, author, uh, Stephanie Lupa Barty, author, and Dark Myth Publications. So come and check out and see everything that we've got going on. Dark Myth Publications just launched this week on Instagram, and we are already starting to get covers of the books that we have over at MythMart.com. So make sure you come and check them out and each little each um cover that's there there's a little blurb about the book a little teaser so come and check it out i'm hoping to get more of the books up this week all oh, right tiktok you want to find me on tiktok i'm at lady lou who that's it i only have one account over there <laughs> that's kind of odd i only have one account over there hmm so yeah have a good night <laughs> oh no <laughs> come check me out all right everybody i will talk to you all next week see ya
carry on my way son There'll be peace when you are done Lay your weary head to rest Don't you cry, Don't you cry.